0: We're back for another episode of It Never Hurts to Ask. I'm here with Andrew Landrum. I've always known you as Andy, so that's what we're going with. Go for it. Uh, Andy is uh, a former classmate of mine in college. We took political science classes together. Um, Since the years since graduating, Andy and I have had various online spats and discussions and debates (laughs) and arguments. Um, he's certainly right of me on the political spectrum. So I thought it'd be interesting to kind of sit down and pick his brain about kind of how he got to be, uh, a conservative bomb thrower, we'll call it, <laughs> um, and just kind of have a discussion about a civil conversation about our political differences and where we where we're similar, where we're different, and and just kind of see where the conversation takes us. Andy, how are you doing? Doing well, Chris. Thanks for having me on, buddy. Yeah. (laughs) Um, For people listening, I know there's a lot more echo than normal. I apologize, but I'm kind of hoboing around Dallas, recording where I can, so this is the nicest spot. It's actually got a pretty nice little view of the the skyline of Dallas, but it's also got a hell of an echo, so you're going to have to deal with it. I'm sorry. Um, Ads for effect. It, yeah, it sounds very regal, doesn't it? Like <laughs> we're in a palace. Um, so Andy, I, I guess let's start with kind of your education. You're born and raised in Dallas, mm-hmm. you graduated from Richardson high school, mm-hmm. same as me. Mm-hmm. Um, you then went on to attend Stephen F. Austin state
1: university in Nacogdoches, Texas. Mm-hmm. Yes. And what did you study? So, uh, when I initially got to, uh, Stephen F. Austin, I studied communication studies, um, I had done a lot of public speaking in my day, um, especially through things like the church and so I decided to pursue that, and my minor was political science actually but um as I decided um going through the years i I didn't really take many elective classes, so I was able to up that minor in political science by just taking a few upper level um classes and that's kind of where I ran into you um, and made it a double major, which I'm really happy I did so um what was
0: it about political science that interest you?
1: You know, I don't know. I always, always, you know, like I said, I'm, I'm a big public speaker kind of guy. So it always impressed me just, um, like, to be honest, when I first um, got to college, I w- my, my dream job would have been a lobbyist. Yeah, know?
0: mine too, for a little while. Yeah,
1: and so, uh, I don't know, I just like the, the notion of going into Congress, you know, uh, lobbying for something you believe in, getting paid to do it. And, um, also being able to influence, you know, policy, because I think that's a very big, um, a very big, uh, you know, I guess subject of interest of mine is if whatever way the country is going to go, why not have a hand in it? Yeah. In a, in a sense. My, know?
0: my problem with lobbying was anything that would have paid me well was not an issue. I believe. No, <laughs> I,
1: I totally agree because mine would, I was, I wanted to do, I wanted to be a lobbyist for a, a, a nonprofit. Um, and it's just, it's just not. It's not feasible as a career right now, you know. Well,
0: I feel yeah. So let's, be more like volunteer work. Yeah. So let's let's kind of dive into it. So the the main reason I wanted to have you on the podcast because this is a fairly apolitical podcast, which right. a lot of my friends and people who know me that's surprising because <laughs> you're political on Facebook. I'm very political on Facebook. I'm a know it all. I run my mouth. I get combative. Um, but the podcast is not really about that. So it's right. The reason I wanted you on is you've got a bit of a reputation on on Facebook. I don't know if you do it on Twitter or other mediums. No, nah, I don't. No. But you you like to what I I I either a, a troll or a bomb thrower. You like to throw something out that's incendiary and that gets people riled up. Mm-hmm. And then your MO has always kind of been you might engage for a little bit, but then you just step back and watch everybody else go at it. Yeah. Um first off What's, why? What's in it for you? Why,
1: why be that guy? Well, just to just to start off, like and answer your question directly, I don't um, I don't really foresee Facebook as a legitimate form of debate or any kind of reasonable argument. Um, so that being said, when I do those things, I know that they are very politically charged, and I know that I, I could just you know I can always know that you're gonna pop in somewhere. You know, at least back before you blocked me. Well, I didn't. To be fair, so here's what would happen: is Andy would post
0: some Breitbart level yeah. meme or whatever. Yeah. Normally, it was not entirely factually accurate, and yeah. Mister Know It All Chris had to come in and go, "Here's all the
1: ways this is wrong." Yeah. Um. And then my right wing friends would come in, and, and then, just then be it was like, just idiotic, yeah, stupid. and and then
0: it's just a. An
1: avalanche of cuck, beta, yeah. libtard tropes. <laughs> Abhominives um, just running all over yeah. the place.
0: And th- I, I never block you. We're still friends on Facebook. No, I, know, yeah, I, know, I know I know. I you. had to, for my own sake, unfollow you. So I just took your post out of my feed because <laughs> almost every day it was Chris at work fighting a completely useless yeah. fight, pushing that metaphorical boulder up the hill and never getting to the top. Yeah. So I, I finally just checked out for my yeah. own sake. But, do you, so I guess let me start with, so you, you find whatever, does it resonate with you? Or does it, it do you post it because it aligns with your belief system? Or is it more, oh, this'll get a rise out of people and I wanna watch the rise?
1: Um, well, usually uh, it's the latter. Um, some of the shit I post, I'm sorry, can we curse? <laughs> oh yeah absolutely okay some of the shit i post i you know know it's just strictly for it and it's actually for like my entertainment because like i said before i don't see facebook as like a legitimate form for any kind of reasonable debate so i see it as a form of entertainment it's social entertainment and so i just like to see what happens whenever you know most more times than not i i just throw like you said i throw shit out there and then just watch it spiral out. And yeah, I'll respond and stuff, but I mean, there's a lot going into why I ghost out. Sometimes I ghost out because I just don't care anymore. Um, but you know, also too, you know, usually this is during the day, so I, I'm at work, so I might like get off social media for like three or four hours while I'm working and then maybe check back in and be like, Hey, I don't even think I'm gonna respond to that. Um, but you know, that being said as well, there are posts that I do post and um, that do reflect, you know, what, what I believe in, Um, what I'm passionate about but those are normally not ones that are like a troll bomb where I'm like trying to fish for something I'm kind of like more with those I'm kind of like hey take a look at this man like look what this is saying look who's saying it like look what's happening kind of thing um and sometimes those get into you know our spiral like debate and those are the ones that you'll notice that I like normally hang around a little longer in because I actually like I like don't agree with you and that's fine. So, um, but when it comes to the ones that are just completely outrageous, meme, troll bomb statements, yeah, just to elicit a response, an emotional response, indeed, I am trying to do that. And uh, I don't know, that, that entertains me. Why not if it's an entertainment platform?
0: Well, the, I guess the difference between you and me is, I mean, like I said, we're both political. Right. I post political commentary and statements. But the, the, the big difference between you and me in that regard is, Anything I post, I stand behind. Right. I'm more, I don't want to say educating, that's a little lofty, but (laughs) I'm, I, I, one of my big problems and beliefs with social media is I differ with you in that I think Facebook has the potential, and I've seen it work this way, not every time, but I've seen it work as kind of a modern day. Uh, Mar- uh, It's a global telephone. Well, Martin Luther's wall where they post theses, mm-hmm. where they yeah. post stuff yeah. and then people get in and, and pick it apart. That's what it has the potential to be. Of course, when you have a bunch of shitheads and idiots, it doesn't always play out, like play that. out that way. But I, at least in terms of my own social media postings, yeah, I'll use colorful language. Yeah, I'll say shit and fuck, whatever. But the post is factually accurate. And if it's not, and somebody checks in and goes, Hey, Chris, here's this, this, and this, and why it's wrong. I'll pull it down because I think the, especially social media, Facebook and Twitter in particular, and mm. I'm seeing it in Instagram, it's also a giant digital echo chamber. Yeah, I don't want to be responsible for throwing a mistruth or an untruth or a fake news as I make my finger quotes, fake news, I don't want to throw that into the echo chamber and then it bounces around and amplifies and becomes a bigger thing. If I know something's untrue, I want it out because I feel like I have however small of a responsibility to not contribute to that dumpster
1: fire. Right. And I mean, I can see where you're coming from with that, but, and you, you point out a very, very, uh, a very, um, good point about our different views on the platform itself because I myself don't like the reason I don't think it's a legitimate form of uh spreading of information now it is you know things go viral sure you can attribute a lot of that like stuff like especially when it comes to like oh you know law enforcement abuse and things of that nature to like viral videos and things like that so yeah in that right it does and you don't want to misspread information in that sense more along the line is I have a I just I have a feeling that when it comes to social media platforms it's just not i don't think it's a fairly biased uh platform especially for someone who has conservative views you know i mean i'm i, I don't agree with all the, what the republicans believe in but I, I i'll tell you i'm a diehard conservative but sometimes those views seem to be drowned out by the algorithm that these giant multimillion dollar tech companies are putting forward and i mean
0: well I, and, and i'm the- not
1: i mean so like for me it, it's not a it's not like, you know, if you, if you ask me if you really want to truly get straight political, like what's going on and the happenings in Washington, watch C-SPAN. It's just the live coverage of what the goings on are. But, I mean, it's just when it's filtered through something like Facebook, where there's people that actually are in charge of what content they agree can be put on and post, you know, it's just kind it kind of defeats the purpose of having an open forum when it comes to the, Have you ever been
0: blocked on Facebook or banned?
1: I have. Yeah, I. um, I can't remember what post was it. It was something pretty. uh, I probably shouldn't have posted it, but um, I mean, and rightfully so. If it's something that's so like you know ridiculous, like sure, I get it. But I mean, banning videos from like PragerU and like Turning Point USA is just uh, just shows a a bias that I I'm, I'm not comfortable with actually acknowledging it as a full fledged open forum for debate. But on the on the flip side, they've also banned
0: some of the left-wing bullshit groups too. Don't make me tell you their names because I don't remember them because <laughs> I, I don't subscribe to, I w- to, I them. Like to I'd like to know which but ones. But there was a, the, it, the same kind of, I want to say, it's not earning Democrat. There There was a couple. Walking uh, away,
1: walk away or something. Well, that's
0: another right-wing group.
1: Yeah. Oh, you're talking about a left wing. Yeah,
0: it was Occupied Democrats, but it was like a step left of that. And they posted a bunch of fake shit because it's all a lot of that, not Turning Point per se or uh, Prager You, but a lot of the like fringer groups are just fucking Macedonian farmers Mm -hmm. making an extra couple bucks posting just outlandish fake clickbait shit
1: right and so but i also think that's a very good point and i i I agree with you wholeheartedly um but i also think too it is like morally incumbent for us as you know people who are educated to be able to filter through that and see what the the stupid shit is like when brett bart posts some stuff i'm just like i know immediately i'm like this is i'm not even going to take the time of day to even read that you know but like hillary clinton is part of a sex child ring i well i don't i don't i mean well honestly if you really want to get into that kind of details i'm not saying she's part of a sex child ring i know all this shit going on with epstein and like who his associates were and who went to his island and all that shit's now like being blasted across the you know media on both sides right and left and you know speculation is speculation i don't like to do that but i mean if you really take the time and look at the goings-on of Hillary and the Clinton Foundation, especially, um, like, abroad, there's some pretty shady shit. Now, I'm not saying that doesn't happen on the right, but, I mean, they're, they're kind of not even, like, they're not even, they're just being, it's, like, not even, like, we, we don't even care anymore, you know? Whereas, like, sure, you, you can find some corruption on the right, but at, at least they do, at, at least they, like, try to, you know, explain it away. The, the people on the left just don't care about explaining it away. It's just kind of like. Well, let's, we'll, we'll, we're gonna circle back. Did I go a little off? <laughs>
0: a little bit, let's, <laughs> we'll circle back to that. Sorry. What I wanna get into first is, I kinda wanna dig into more of your political ideology. You said you're, you're a conservative, you're pretty outspoken about it. Right. Have you always
1: been a conservative or did you land there? No, no, actually, I mean, ironically, uh, when I graduated, because I feel like in college, I remember no. you being a little more left to center. No, I, when I graduated college, I was a socialist. There, I said it. It caught me. So, I mean, I, I knew that it, just by studying it, like I knew that the concept of it was nice, but there's a certain population size that once it goes over, it just doesn't become viable. And I knew that. And I remember, you know, Battles and uh, Nick from the political science department. We would stay up late nights, long nights, trying to figure out a way how can we somehow merge socialism and democracy to, to you know, make it kind of work. So, I mean, we stayed up long nights. We were even talking about a new political party. You got to ask Battles about that the next time you talked. How much weed me. was involved? There was a lot of weed involved. We, yeah. It was because we were studying for exams. Like we were studying for K6 exam and they're all-nighters and there's... You know, once we kind of got to a point where we're just taking a break, we just kind of let our minds go out and see, like, is there a way to do this? And um, you know, everyone's like, "Well, let's try social democracy," and I just know that doesn't work. You know, it, 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 but why? How do you say that when you look at Canada and
0: Finland and Norway and Denmark and Netherlands and Germany and France and I mean, well, parts of our political economy.
1: Well, right. No, I like I said, bro. I'm telling you, I. I think socialism works well. It works well to a certain point. And those countries that you're talking about, like aside from Canada, all have a population that's lower than the Dallas Fort Worth Metroplex. You know? Well, France, Germany. Well, France and Germany, there's three hundred and sixty-five million people in this country. But that just means that there's that many expert there's
0: exponentially that many more taxpayers to contribute to the system. It's a scalable well, it's model.
1: A, but I mean, even I mean, you took? Did you take Propane's statistical political science? I didn't. Uh, I took 303, so I think so. Okay. Well, it's where you got the statistic generator, and we yeah. generalize to the population and such. Mm-hmm. There is a certain number that the socialist system just doesn't work anymore, and it's 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 right around oh, I'd say once a population gets above five six million people, it's just not doable.
0: But France has a population of what? 40 50 60 million.
1: Right, but I mean what what in France's economy right now rivals anything that we have here? I mean, and if you want to get into the private insurance debate, it, that's a simple answer, but I don't see France's economy being any better than ours. In fact, I think it's a little bit less than ours. Texas has a bigger economy than France right now. But is it worse? No, it's not worse. I didn't say it was worse, and that's why And they're but they're so they're
0: about on would you can see they're about on par with us? I could say mm, no, I don't know. I don't think so. In at terms all. of in terms of income inequality in terms of the haves and the have-nots.
1: Well, the thing that is okay. So, when you're talking about the, quality of life, the big thing for me oh, so let me
0: we're going to there's 45 different ways you can measure this. The one that I look at, and this is everybody has their own metric. The one that matters the most to me is social mobility, which is a fun little catchphrase. Oh, yeah. But that one's important to me, the ability to... Advance socially. Well, yeah, and to use a conservative phrase, the actual ability to pull yourself up from your bootstraps. Right. We talk about that here in America, but it's incredibly difficult to do here versus a Canada, versus a Norway, versus a Germany... Where you actually have more ability to rise from a lower class, lower middle class, and actually attain a upper middle class. What, status of bourgeois?
1: Yeah. You know, I mean, that's, I can, I can understand that, but I, I just don't agree with you on the fact that that um, ability isn't able to happen here. It's it's possible. It's statistically
0: proven less likely here than in Canada or many of the countries in Europe.
1: Right, and again, I'm I just I'm not trying to revert back to this as like a fail-safe or an excuse, but I, I it comes down to the population size. Of course, statistics are going to be bigger for a country that has hundreds of millions of people. But they control convert- for population size. They standardize it to the general population, but still, at the same time, that is a factor that you have to take into account. I'm not saying that's a that's the whole reason i'm just saying that's a huge factor there's an amount of people that have to be governed the less people that you have to govern the more efficiently you can do that unless you have some sort of utopian society but you know that's that's where i'm kind of a standpoint i mean and i'd love to hear what you think about that because i, mean, I, I think it's a red herring why how, how is it a red herring because again
0: you can scale so if you have thirty thousand, thirty million 30 million people right and you have 300 million people right it's 10 times the taxpayers to pay into a system to fund these initiatives.
1: Right. But you're also looking at uh, countries that aren't, I mean, they like, especially like Germany and Denmark, their demographics are basically one. Like, well, Germany is very diverse. Well, it is diverse. Canada
0: yes. is a lot more diverse than people
1: want to give it credit no, for. I, I, I agree with you. There's, you know, you know, Quebec and the French Canadians. I, yeah. And the, especially the Inuits in the Northern parts, but, um, but when it comes to, like, a, like when we have dual federalism here, you know, it, we have two parties, and it's unfortunate, but just that's how it's evolved over the years and centuries that we've been a constitutional r- republic, is that it just tends to have a two-party system works better, and within that kind of party, or sp- that kind of party system... I don't system, think it works
0: better. I think that's how it's the elites out. and the, the powers that be have... Crystallized the system.
1: I mean, I, I could argue with that for hours, but I, I don't think that's the case. And I don't think that, you know, everything that happens in our system of government is the will completely of the people. No, absolutely. Well, because our system wasn't set up to be governed by the people. No, it, it's not. And a lot of people, I have to remind people whenever they're like, well, it's a democracy. I'm like, no, nah, it's not a democracy. It's a dual federalist representational Republic. And so that's very different than just one man, one vote, you know? So, um, via that representation you know that that can be a subject of debate on how well you're represented in the mechanisms that we use to elect those representatives and our politicians sure we can have a debate about that all day but as it goes now not many times in our history has there been more than two parties in the system right so there has been but i'm saying with that kind of dialectic right there there's either one side or the other side It is going to be a lot harder because some like half the population doesn't agree with the other half so let's i
0: want to i want to put a bookmark in this because we went off the rails i knew we would well i want to come back to you and kind of your political uh what what i want to call it your political evolution evolution thank you there we go so you were a socialist you smoked a lot of weed you couldn't figure out how to make it work in your head right when did you when did you decide or realize, you know what, I'm a conservative, like, I'm, I'm moving to the other side? Well, it was... Um, was there an event? Was no, it a no, slow thing? No, it
1: wasn't an event. I just got out into the real world, man. I started having to pay bills and shit. And, like, you know, I just got more and more in tune with a, a conservative mindset and saving money. Um, and I guess just over time, my views didn't shift. I'm still, I still consider myself a classic liberal, but that's not what the left is. The progressive liberals are not classic. But it's liberals.
0: also not what the GOP and the Conservatives are. No,
1: it's not. But here, here, here let, let me finish. Let me finish. Excuse me um, well basically because uh, like I supported Barack Obama when he got in. I was done with like Bush and this whole shit that they were doing in the past eight years. You know, and uh, I, I fully supported Obama. And you know, it kinda caught my friends off guard because I would defend him. And they'd be like, oh, fuck you, dude. And I'm like, dude, come on. It's it just fucking, it's, he's not that bad. He's actually doing some good in his first term, at least. Second term, not so much. But what really got me was, um, you know, I think more what pushed me to the right was the reaction of the left to the 2016 elections. It just blew my mind, like, I mean, I don't know. I mean, ask me a question about it. You could be mad, but what's, what's going into the streets and burning American flags, breaking windows of buildings that actually contributed to your campaign in a blind kind of like groupthink? And then for the past two, two and a half years, it's only I have not seen a viable solution come out from the left. The only thing they want to do is just beat Trump, and I don't agree with Trump on everything. I, I, I'll tell you that right now. Did you vote for Trump? I did, indeed, because there was what, what there was no. Did you other. vote for him in the primaries? Yes. Yeah. Jesus Christ! How? Um, well, no, actually, that's a lie. I voted for Ted Cruz in the primaries, but once he became the Republican ticket, you know, I I was just it was it found I found it to be a point to where it's my responsibility to not allow that kind of uh, behavior and uh, just things of that, like, being, like, throwing a fit, like, that should not be, you know, in any kind of politics. And, I mean, like I said, I'm conservative, but I'm a classic liberal, you know, and it just sucks because I don't agree with the Republican Party. I break ranks with them on a lot of stuff. But um, as it goes, I would rather be on the right than on the left right now. Because I can see on both sides of the political spectrum, you can go too far on the right. and Of course, you can go too far on the left. I just, I find that on the right, we've kind of put markers out like Jordan Peterson, Dr. Jordan Peterson pointed out this fact. This isn't my original thought, but um, he was talking about how on the right, there's markers that we put where back in like the 60s or what have you. You know, when the conservative magazines came out, then the David Duke types tried to attach themselves to it, and they were like, no, you know, you've gone too far, because the only those markers on the right are... But they've blown
0: past at least some of those markers with Trump. David Duke openly campaigned for Donald Trump.
1: Right. And he marched in Charlottesville praising Donald Trump. Now, I get that, but what I'm saying is if you look... Trump's campaign didn't take any money from David Duke. And he pointed that out on several occasions. But he also didn't ever disavow his support. Well, but that's the thing is that's where we, that's where, that's where the hot issue hits is what is it that like, if, if someone stands for something, right? Like David Duke, he's a fucking racist, white supremacist, asshole, right? But it's a fallacy of composition if you, look at that one person and say ah well because he supports this then everyone he supports has the same views as him that's that's a fallacy of of composition so i'm just saying like and we've drawn the line there but like what as 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 to my original point you know i know we can go too far on the right and i've seen it go too far on the right that's fine i can admit to that but on the left there doesn't seem to be a marker to like it's like no you've gone too far like when you see antifa beating people in the streets you know when you see uh riots and things like that happening in streets and people going out not even protesting anything like anti-fascism what are you are you fucking well, pulling my the, dick like let's be real here like if you're gonna protest and be but that, you're making a
0: well you're ignoring the the right-wing equivalent
1: well and, and you what, have on
0: antifa on the left and mm-hmm. you've got a bunch of Racist, Nazi, Proud Boy, white supremacists on the right. It's the same subset, opposite side of the spectrum.
1: Right. But the thing that I'm saying is if you don't fuck with those guys, they keep to themselves. They're not going out in the streets with torches like people are saying and like, you know, whatever you want. Well,
0: now in Charlottesville, yes, they were.
1: Okay, look, I can admit Charlottesville was a horrible thing. And yes, it was a perfect example of right wing uh extremism and right-wing violence and hatred and yes that's exactly right but you can't discredit things that happen like with the scalise shooting uh you know where a like a far-left liberal goes and takes a gun to a a fucking baseball field sole intent to kill conservatives that's what he said like you never see people like you never see republican senators telling people to you know, if you see someone else of another cabinet, you need to make them feel not welcome. Well, yeah, you no, know, like that's hold not. Hold on, hold on. Okay, okay. You've got uh, Roger Stone
0: posting federal judges under crosshairs because he doesn't like what they're doing with him. You've got a lot of right wing ret- rhetoric that says anybody, basically. Uh, Disputing what they have to say, disputing their point of view, isn't a real American. You've got that whole rhetoric from Fox News about real America, real Americans, you know, urban liberals, urban dwellers aren't the real America. That
1: rhetoric goes both sides. I feel like you're conveniently
0: ignoring that fact.
1: I don't understand. How do you you mean? Because I know exactly what you're talking about. And, like, we can get into a discussion about the bias in the media because— I mean, that, that exists completely and you're right. But, I mean, when you come to, like, saying, like, I'm ignoring... Um, uh, you, you, well, to, the, to, a concept. To you're tie say, back you're into saying your I'm, state. Like missing a
0: concept You here. were saying that there's violence against right-wingers that's not present on the right towards the left, and that's simply not true. I just... I would... I you've, mean, got boy, you've got Homeboy, you've got Fuckboy in his van, covered in Trump shit, yeah. mailing pipe bombs to scare people. You've got... Multiple different hate groups that have been arrested and convicted by the FBI for planning synagogue attacks, church burnings. Um, You have the Arizona congresswoman who was shot. Now, granted, that was just by a straight lunatic. I don't want to put too too much political motive on that. But you do have that violence on the right. And there's been plenty of studies that show of the domestic terrorist incidents, the majority are white nationalist or more conservative in in nature.
1: Yeah, I mean, that, that you're, you're exactly right. And you know what? I, I would love to have a further conversation about that because I would love to see some of the articles of, of that, what you're talking about, right-wing violence, because I can definitely show you some about the left. There's violence and on both I, sides. I get that. No, I'm not saying there's not but violence on the right. But if you
0: quantify it... There is more, and, and I, I hate, I don't want to go down the rabbit hole of
1: more versus less. Right. But I feel like it does have to be acknowledged. I acknowledge it. I acknowledge there's violence on each side. I'm just saying when it comes to the political spectrum, the right has a little bit more of a hold on where we draw the line on our policy. And yes, I, I'm not saying it doesn't exist. This is not what the, my point is. My point is that you know conservatives... Basically, and this is one of the reasons why I actually, as you said earlier, moved over towards the right is because conservative thought is that this world is not a perfect place. In fact, this world is a piece of shit, you know, and what we need to do is our best to make sure that as much people can be free as possible. And that requires tolerating some things that are bad. Violence is one of them. And that's that. And they can admit that, but the left won't admit that. The See, conservative, particularly the libertarian strain of
0: conservatism, right. is more the world's an imperfect place, but the more we leave it alone, the more it'll fix itself. Like laissez-faire, yeah. And I don't subscribe to I, it. I, no. was, I was a libertarian for a hot minute when I was leaving high school, getting into college. Right. And I kind of took an opposite path from You said you got into the real world and you kind of became more conservative. Mm-hmm. I got into the real world, looked around not only at what's going on here, but I've traveled abroad. I've interned with foreign governments. I've seen how other countries do it, right? and I kind of took an opposite path from you where I look at how we do it and I go, oh, there's countless examples of other countries doing this better. And the I don't remember if it's the Declaration of Independence or the Constitution, but they say that our goal is a more perfect union. Mm-hmm. We've got to make those improvements. We've got to improve. The, the Bill of Rights, the Constitution wasn't the end-all, be-all. No. It was a starting point. It was some base rules. And we should improve upon our state and our affairs from there. Now, but when you say that, yeah, you're right. The, and conservatives the, don't. They want to take their hands off and think it'll improve when all human history has shown, for the most part, that's not really how it works. A few key issues, yes. But for the most part, healthcare, care, um, police reforms, uh, corporations and trust busting under Teddy Roosevelt. Right. Though and you can't take a let, hands-off let, approach with let, those.
1: Let, let, let me stop you right there. Again, I told you, I don't. I break ranks with the Republican Party on a lot of things, but when I see people on the left saying that we need to abolish our immigration and custom enforcement, and that's not something where other politicians are like on the left being like, ah, you know, that's kind of going a little too far. That's a, well, you know, like so it, we have some of the freshman congresswomen talking about destroying the entire a Homeland Security Department, like yeah, but, but, I, are do you agree with that? Those aren't my big issues. Yeah, but I'm just saying, but no. I
0: don't personally because they're not the functions of those offices aren't going to magically go away. They're going to be we're going to roll back. Department of Homeland Security was only a cabinet level department. I want to say 2002.
1: Yeah, it was George Bush that yeah. made
0: it. Yeah. It's a it's new to and we still had this is the newest one. Yeah, yeah we still had those organizations and offices underneath that umbrella right. still functioning before 9/11. I mean
1: also too, but Department
0: of uh, ICE and Immigration and Customs, those were all that was under Customs and Border, Border Patrol. Those were under different umbrellas before. The problem with particularly with ICE is the twofold. First up is the the serious lack of oversight of that department. Okay. Every office, I don't care what it is, needs significant oversight. And it's been well reported and documented. Even under Obama, Obama would give
1: directives and ICE would just go, yeah, okay, and never follow through. Right. And I'm glad you acknowledged that it wasn't just starting. No. This has been going on for years. Yes. It's gotten worse. Exponentially worse under Trump. But it's gotten worse because we have people encouraging others to come here illegally. Well, it's not illegal. Asylum is a legal process. Yes. And it's, the port of entry where is designated to put yourself into asylum. That, absolutely, you're correct. But crossing the border illegally is, is a misdemeanor. It is. But, I mean, even a misdemeanor such as, like, having a possession of marijuana here in Texas, they can still take you to jail. They can, but they use their discretion, and they're probably not throwing kids in cages for it. But they're not going to throw kids in cages. They just di- they separate them. Yeah, of course, the holding facilities look like fucking cages because they are. But what is a jail? Like, if I get pulled well, over with a DWI with my kid, they're going to separate but him from me.
0: Flores you. v. Reno, back in, I want to call it 97. Don't quote me on that. Okay.
1: Flores v.
0: Reno established, it was a consent decree and established certain procedures for how those families have to be treated. If you show up as a child under Flores v. Reno, you had to be uh, housed with your family. If you couldn't be housed with your family, if you're an unaccompanied minor, they had, I want to say it was 72 hours to find a family member in the country mm-hmm. to put them with. If they couldn't, they had to put them in foster care. And if they couldn't do that, then they send them back home to who they could send them to. Right. They weren't in a holding cell for two, three, five, six months. Right,
1: but also to... Two three years ago, there weren't caravans of tens of thousands of people were, coming. That,
0: there were. I, I I don't agree with you because there was what, one in two thousand. Uh, the one that sticks out to me, I want to say it was t- two thousand fourteen. These waves have been coming for years as a result of unrest in Central America. It's right. not a new phenomenon that just magically got started.
1: But I feel as though it's happening because you know you hear reports of like. Oh, there's a California congresswoman who is actually like going into Mexico and like telling them how they can get across the border, you know, safely and things like that. Or like you have Beto O'Rourke, God, God bless him, um, you know, campaigning in Mexico. Like, why? when did that happen? That was just recently. It was a couple of months ago. It was a big deal. He was down in Mexico campaigning to Mexicans. Like, what, what are you doing? Like, where did you read that? It was all over. It was all over the news. At least I'm the, not saying it's not true. I didn't read oh, it, so I don't no, know. Uh, if you want, I can. I can dig. I can dig up an article for you because was it, CNN covered it too. And so I was just. Kind of, in fact, I think the post I shared was a CNN post. But I was just. It was. It blows my mind. It's like, okay, we get it. You can speak Spanish, but what are you doing down there?
0: But uh, we're we're getting into the weeds. Yeah, we're, yeah. We're tired. Sorry. So, Sorry. And I don't want. I mean, it's a valid point. But I don't want to hash out every single right versus left gotcha. issue. This will just go on for three hours and yeah. get us nowhere. <laughs> but I want to rein us in a little bit because I knew that's how this conversation was going to go, and that's fine. Yeah, it's good. Um, pulling back, you see, so you said you know you're conservative. You said you break ranks with other conservatives on a host of issues. Mm-hmm. Well, give me give me a handful of those issues where you're a conservative but you don't see eye to
1: eye. Not necessarily with conservatives, but Servers or GOP political platform. platform. Yeah. Um, Okay. Well, and I've posted this on Facebook, but I'll just, I'll say it uh, just as I posted it. But one of the biggest things I break ranks with the Republican Party, and I'll call you, I'll tell you any day of the week that I'm a diehard conservative because I don't really fuck around with liberal snowflake bullshit. But, um, Ooh, what a tough take. <laughs>
0: wow, you really triggered the libs with that <laughs> oh, one. Oh, yeah, but We're going mean, to discuss that here in a little bit, no, too. No, that's but. fine.
1: That's fine. I'm, I'm, I'm sorry, guys. Anyways, but I break breaks with the Republican Party when it comes to things like abortion rights, you know? Um, I'm not a fan of late-term abortions, and I actually don't really condone it, but things like, you know, when I see states like Alabama completely outlawing a, a woman's right... To reproductive abortion services, even in the cases of rape and incest, is utterly disgusting, and, and I think constitutionally offensive. Because, you know, I I believe that states' rights are paramount. Of course, that's how the system works. But it, only if they don't infringe on the rights that were given to us by the Constitution, the Bill of Rights, and our sacred democracy. So I I I, I get a lot of flack for that because. Um, yeah, I'm not. I'm not a religious guy anymore. But you'll find that the religion does seep into the Republican Party a lot more than it does on the left. And this I, this issue right here is that- what's weird. I'm gonna I'm gonna interrupt you
0: just because you hit an interesting point. I actually, I'm also not religious, but I was confirmed Presbyterian. I grew right. up and went to confirmation in church. Well, I was trained to be a preacher. Yeah. So. I- my, I look back. I didn't realize it at the time, but right. looking back, I look at my moral compass, if you will, and I definitely see where the church influenced that. Right. And what's interesting to me, and I, I know it's a tired trope, but when I look at what I what I did take away from church and right. from you know my religious Let's education, do the right
1: thing, like how hard is that, guys? But it's
0: it's a lot more liberal. Right. Yet it's the conservatives and the GOP that's co opted Christianity for political gains, but they're not, their
1: policies are not Christian policies. Look, Christians are hypocrites. Everyone, like, I'm just saying, like, I'm would, i I'm not saying that Christians are bad, but you can't go in and be like, you know, I believe in Christ, Jesus, and, you know, like I said, I, before college, I was training to be a preacher, so I've read the Bible, and the Quran. I took the time to read, and uh, the Torah and such, so, you know, Jesus was a socialist for sure. Are you kidding me? Like the golden rule, do unto others as you would have done to yourself. Well, it kind of falls short on a couple of qualifications, but that's a very um, socialist philosophy, you know? And um, it's an interesting point that you made right there about that and how it's a bastion of like the conservative. I would say more Republican because I know conservatives that aren't Christian. I'm not, you know, there was a time, but, you know. I would say that's more indicative of, uh, it's a, that's more of a party issue. And just as it goes, whatever party's in power has the ability of policymaking. And because, like I said, the Republican Party is the only real place that conservatives can actually agree with people and are actually express ideas without being yelled at. So, so rating you back in a little bit. Okay. okay, so you got
0: abortion. What are some other issues you break from traditional conservative philosophy
1: on? I, I, I would say uh, immigration. Um, I am I, I'm very adamant that we should not have open borders. Um,
0: I feel like and, that's
1: well, that's I mean, a bit of a reddit. There's some on the far left
0: that make that argument. There's some on the far right that argue for shooting illegal immigrants on site. I feel like right. those are the fringes that don't lead to healthy debate. Most people on the left aren't advocating for full open borders most people on the right aren't advocating for lining up illegal immigrants and executing at the border either right so i feel like to focus on those arguments is to ignore the meat of the discussion and well
1: yeah i mean you asked i mean we don't have to get into it about it but like excuse me um but like just when it comes to our handling of uh taking in intake of um non-documented immigrants or legal immigrants, however you want to say it, I think there needs to be a reform in the pathway to citizenship. And I find it interesting for the Reagan past- Reagan
0: argued for that too.
1: Yeah, I know. And I, I find it interesting that every, every president for the past 20-some-odd years, and like, I guess you could go all the way back to Reagan, like they all have campaigned for that, and very few, I think, have followed through with any kind of immigration reform. I mean, of course, we have the U.S. you know code, but I mean something that's interesting. And I've
0: listened to podcasts, I've read articles and research, academic research on the subject. What's interesting is the the illegal immigration problem. When I put "problem" in quotes, but it really became an issue back in the late mid to late seventies when a new uh, head of Customs and Border Patrol took over and he started taking a lot more hardline approach on immigration. It used to be the borders were a lot more effectively open, like you said. Permeable. Yeah, and what... Semi-permeable. But what happened back then was a lot of uh, migrant labor. Migrant labor would come in to the country, work farms, work those temporary jobs, and then would take their money and would go back to their families and then come back again the next season. right? And this went back and forth, and so it, the net illegal immigration was fairly low because yeah, they came in, but then they took themselves right back out. What happened when, I, I wanna say it was 78, don't quote me on the year, okay. late 70s, and it started especially ramping up under Reagan in the early 80s, was deportation, sending people home, enforcing the borders, more, more manpower at the borders, and what happened is, it increased the, the, the cost of entry. It made it a lot harder to get into the country. So it wasn't as easy to come and go. So people started making the rational decision. Okay, well, I'm in. I don't know if I'm going to get back in next summer to make my money. And it actually <laughs> had the counterintuitive effect of increasing illegal immigration to the country because people weren't coming in seasonally anymore. They were coming in and staying. Or they came in and they had a kid. Normally they would have just taken their kid back to Mexico with them. Now I've got a kid I can't risk getting deported when
1: I go back. That you're not going to because of chain migration.
0: But it, well, that's also a bit of a... It's true. It's, first off, it's constitutional. Second off,
1: it's... There's not a lot of it's more circumstantial than it is strategic. That's bullshit, Chris. Come on, there are people at the border that are intentionally coming over with kids that aren't their kids, and we've proven this. Like, you can't... Just like I can't deny, like you said, like, violence coming from the right, sure. But you can't deny that people are using kids
0: well, but, uh, to come across the border. that's not chain migration. That's it's another a, issue. It's, but Ch- then, chain then, migration... Turn around
1: and then say you're separating families when, in fact, they might not even well, be related. You're, you're going off... You're taking a left turn. I'm sorry. Where we're... I'm just that's saying. That's another... You just got, you, can't, you can't say that doesn't happen. I'm not saying it doesn't happen. I'm saying... Or people take advantage of it.
0: Okay, but it's, it's not the issue we're discussing. Right. We're discussing how increased enforcement of the border has actually had the counterintuitive effect of causing more permanent illegal immigration to the country. So what
1: would you suggest then?
0: I... If I had a real solution, I'd be making more money than I am now <laughs> and not hosting a <laughs> little dick <laughs> podcast. But I, uh, I think not- you you also have to acknowledge that the civil unrest that we've american foreign policy has largely contributed to in central america has also i don't think you could just roll back border enforcement to 1972 and think it'll all be okay because we now have a lot more civil unrest in central america it's not just a migrant labor issue it's not a seasonal immigration issue anymore it's a that crisis. it was it, I, I, people can't see your smug face, but I want everybody to know that it's there. Um, it's man, manufactured crisis. Uh-huh. Yeah. But it was manufactured through U.S. foreign policy. So I feel like we do have an obligation, if not to address it here, you got to address it there and address if we don't want people coming to this country, we've got two options. We deal with the people coming into the country. Right. And or we have to use our foreign policy prowess to address the issues in those home countries so people don't want to leave.
1: Right, and I, I, um, I agree with you. Um, the only thing is when you- in- I feel like
0: caging them and deporting as a policy is exponentially more expensive and inhumane it, well,
1: than other solutions. It's redundant, let's just put it that way. It's redundant and that's what I think needs to change about it. But you have to also, too, take into account that there has been a substantial increase of migrant crossings within the last five, six years. It's actually gone down in the past 10.
0: It peaked in the 90s, and it's been trending down. It's probably peaked a little bit in the past couple years, but the overall trend from 20, 30 years ago is down.
1: Well, I think a lot of that- Border ha-
0: apprehensions well, are down. Well, I think a lot of that illegal, has to illegal do- Illegal net immigration is
1: down. I'm just, I think a lot of that has to do, and please, I'm not trying to explain this away. I'm not, and I'm, I'm all ears, man. But I think a big uh, factor in that decretion of uh, decrease in um, the illegal immigration has a lot to do with after the 2000s hit, you know, 9-11, we, we ramped up our security. Hell, that's when Bush made the Department of Homeland Security. So it's not surprising to me that overall net illegal immigration decreased after the 2000s. That makes perfect sense, actually, because that's when security at airports started to get really tight. That's when security at the border started getting rolled. Well, well, that's so, another thing. That doesn't that doesn't surprise me. The ma- the vast majority of illegal immigration comes through
0: legal ports of entry. Comes the I want to say it's something like seventy or eighty percent comes through our airports. Well, al- no, people I w-
1: overstaying visas. Visas overstay is the yeah that so that's that number. Let's get that clear, folks. That's that number. You're com- you're completely correct. And I was going to touch on this, but the the so why are we militarizing a border when? most of it's coming through LAX and DFW airports. Because what it is, and this is where the gray area happens when it comes to like ICE or things like that. ICE isn't a border agency. That's the Border Patrol's job. ICE is an internal agency that goes in and makes sure that everyone who's here on a visa is staying according to their uh, visa, and everyone here is a legal citizen in some way, shape, or form, be it a work visa, be it a uh you know some sort of diplomatic embassy you know whatever but ice is internal you know and so when they go out and arrest people for overstaying visas all of a sudden that's a that's like oh my god they're going and taking these people away who've been literally just living off of you know yeah of course they have jobs of course they do uh man contributing labor. to our economy right. now, they, paying state a local lot of them, taxes not a lot of them don't pay the, taxes you can't you? No,
0: almost all of them do they pay income tax most of them do because it has to be taken out of their paycheck, paycheck. but see, they don't, don't see any paychecks. of the benefits
1: some of them don't, I, I, worked some, with, but, I worked with so many people in the kitchen and all through college that we just got paid an envelope of money which i um, didn't hate some of them did but that get, you can get away with but being those people immigrant. are
0: still paying state taxes they're paying sales the tax. Is. They're paying registration taxes for their car. They're still paying a majority of their ta- of the taxes you and I pay.
1: Right, and I'm not here. And to- a lot
0: of them here on fake papers are also paying their income taxes, but seeing no income tax benefits because they can't qualify for yeah. the, the benefits. Tax return. Well, that's because they're on fake papers. Right. So, but they're still contributing to our economy.
1: And they're contributing I'm not to our budget sure, and I'm our not, taxes. I am not. Have you, I mean, it's, it's like... A, they're not the it, social drain it, it, that it, people it, want to portray them. No, no, absolutely not. And I can... I also... That's another part on the right that really irritates me is the fact... I mean, have you ever read the book uh, A Day in a Life Without Mexicans? No, but I've worked with enough Mexicans in various jobs <laughs>
0: to know that they're the hardest working people really on the planet. It's really good.
1: I would encourage reading it. it but, I mean, it, it, it shows that it's not basically arguing the fact that, like, if... You know, there were no Mexicans for a day, our economy would crash. It's just a point out of how the jobs that we don't really prefer to do, they'll do, you know? And that's cool because here's the thing, and I'm not, and oh my God, this is going to, everyone's going to be like, listen to that fucking racist. Yeah, say your racist thought, Andy. Okay. When I go into a, a store and there's a clerk, like a gas station, um, and there's a white person behind the counter. I always say, no matter what, I always like, right before I leave, I say, all right, don't work too hard. Okay. You know, like, all right, have a good day. Don't work too hard. Right. Like, mm-hmm. it's just, my kind of like, see you later. Don't work too hard. White person will always be like, I'll be like, all right, well, don't work too hard. And they're like, ha 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 I'll try not to. Don't worry about me. I'll try not to work hard. And you're just like, okay. Uh, you see a black guy and you'd be like, all right, man, don't work too hard. And he's like, shit, man, I ain't, I ain't working hard. And you're like, hey man, that's what you do. You're making money though still, so good for you. Uh, you see a Mexican and you say, yeah, all right, don't work too hard, and he goes too late. Huh. And so, you know, and I, I hate to break it down in that kind of like racial category, but I mean, it's, it, it's indicative of, of, you know, people from Central America that actually have a work ethic that they wanna provide for their family, they wanna do all that, and I don't wanna inha- inha- like um, inhibit that in any way and that's why I think that you know, the path to citizenship should be reformed in a way that they can get here easier. And do you beca- support the Dreamers, that whole Dreamer Act, the kids who've grown <laughs> so, up here and made something for themselves? I, okay, so okay, so you, do, you, do you remember uh, Alyssa Billingsley? Mm, no, Richardson? probably not. Oh, okay, well, she um, and I get into very heated debates about this Dreamer situation. And I have no problem with Dreamers. You know, the whatever it's called, Deferred Act, you whatever know, Obama passed, sure, it's caused a little bit of problems in this whole road because I think that was the start of kind of like, here's your first freebie. You know, okay, you were born here or you came here as a young adult, so we're just going to not, you know, we're just going to give you a, a free pass. And I think that started a snowball effect that people now just think they can come here and some way, somehow... Without, you know, cutting in line of people who've been waiting for years to be an actual legal citizen, a legal immigrant, you know, they just cut in line and just automatically get some sort of, you know, amnesty. It's just. But I don't think somebody who's been living here since they were two
0: or three is really cutting in line. That's
1: not the point, Chris. The, The point is the fact that it's more of the irresponsibility of the parent, I would think. Why would you bring like why would I bring okay, a two year old to into Russia illegally and then hope that the Russian government would allow me to stay there with my kid and like I just i it's just hard for me to grasp but so you're wanting to but the argument you're making is punishing the kid for the discretions of the parent right but it shouldn't have happened in the first place but it has so now how do we deal with it that's the whole thing and i can um i'm I'm not perfect man I'm not but i just i think that i don't care about the dreamers man i just don't think that that should continue i don't think that people should have the notion that you could come here illegally pop out a kid and then because now like you said constitutionally and laudably and rightfully so that child is an american and then via the chain migration laws their their parents now have an amnesty i'm just saying like i think that should be reformed i think that they someone let the kids sen- stay here
0: and send the parents home and throw the kid in an orphanage? Like,
1: well, well, I don't know. I don't, see that, That's the thing. is That's where in there lies the problem, Chris, is because if that situation hadn't been made in the first place, there wouldn't be people coming over here and doing that. But until you've got a DeLorean that hits 88 miles an hour, it's kind of a moot point. I, I understand that, but what I really, with this kind of uh, line of reasoning It was is, a joke because a DeLorean's a piece of shit and can't hit 88 miles an, an hour. Do you remember the DeLorean in Nacogdoches? No, I never saw that one. There's one this guy had right over uh, by the Sigta house and it's just like, why do you
0: I knew a guy he had one ac- he used to live across the alley from us in Dallas. <laughs> and it was I mean, it's re- cool. as a kid it was the coolest thing ever. I mean, and then it- you learn about it. It's a shit car made by a coke fiend.
1: Yeah, it's a fucking stupid car. It's all stainless steel. The only thing you can say is like, "Hey, you got a flux capacitor in there?" Huh? But uh, no, but back to my point it's like what I what I'm getting at with this is not um, trying to justify what's happening right now or how it's being dealt with, I don't, I don't think it's being dealt with correctly, I don't. What I am trying to make a point is the reasoning behind where um, a lot of people who I, I feel like are misrepresented, like I feel like a lot of people who, when you just say the word conservative or something, it's just racist or, you know, like. I, and, and I, I feel I, like I some just, of that comes like, but,
0: honestly though, and I, I'll get into
1: why, but. Man, you can you can say that, I mean. The Southern strategy in particular,
0: is a it a Democratic re- policy.
1: No. Yes. No. You're talking about how the Republicans um, took over the South. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Lee Atwater and Karl Rove was loosely involved. And then
1: that's where they all say the switch happened.
0: Yeah. It's, it's historical fact. And Lee I, Atwater I, I, is on record saying that's what they did. We're, I, I, we're I, going to I, cater and recruit and buddy up to a bunch of Southern white racists who are upset that the Democratic Party modernized and liberalized when it comes to racial issues, we're going to use a bunch of racial rhetoric. We're going to focus on crime and play to racial fears and stereotypes to get all of these white racist voters to come to the GOP. That's, that's not a conspiracy theory. That's straight out of Lee Atwater's mouth. I
1: I think, I think that just because, you know, Lee Atwater said that, I think that it would, um, Uh, warrant a little bit more digging because I've heard both arguments on each side and I've heard um, black conservatives talk about how that you know this is not true like but they're they're wrong but but they give good they give perfectly like cited material from history what like what well I mean like I said not off the top of my head that's why I said it would warrant a further discussion on it but I mean I mean I would love to see your you can info. you can Google YouTube. You can Google, Lee Atwater talking the Southern you can, strategy. You can Google you can Google how that's a lie. The same way,
0: and that's. But it. why would the guy who did it? How could they call him a liar when he's on? I think they're
1: revising. That's revisionism, is what that is. I but see, and it's I would dishonest. But I would go right. I could see. I can. We can do this all day. I would say that your version is revisionist.
0: And how when the guy who did it said it.
1: Well, I'm just saying like... If, if
0: I shoot a person yeah. and I say I shot that person, right. Andy doesn't get to come in and go, well, actually, if you look at the facts and blah, blah, blah. No, I, I admitted to doing the thing. Yeah. So for anybody else to outside come in and try to re- sing a different narrative but no, is disingenuous. The, all right, but see, at, at best. The,
1: okay. At the same time, I, very, I find it very hard to believe that the Southern strategy was pulled off by one person. N- no, of course not. But so, uh, I mean, it, like...
0: But it was Lee Atwater, it was Carl Rove, it was, uh, shoot, I forget his name. Um, uh, what's the guy uh, in jail now? Trump's camp, Manafort was part of it. It was a whole bunch of young Republicans in the early, late 70s, early 80s who became conservative GOP strategists and that was their strategy was to court a lot of those Southern white segregationists, Southern white racists who used to be part of the Democratic Party. Democratic Party changed their tune under LBJ saying, you know what, well, we're not doing this anymore. These are people without a party now. The GOP went out of their way to court them. I don't know. I, I, it's, it's not up for debate. It's, it's, not, it's what happened. I mean... You can argue how effective it was or how widespread it was. That's
1: fine. And I I don't have information on that. It didn't happen. But I mean, also, too, you say LBJ was like the savior of the Democratic Party. LBJ is quoted as, as LBJ had plenty of racist tendencies, too. But why he signed the Civil Rights Act? I mean, like, let's be real. Like, there's not, this isn't isolated to a certain party, you know? There's racism on both sides. Even today, you can see that, like how the left segregates people into identities. Like, I mean, that's that's, that's the definition of racism. Well, like, the I, GOP does too. I, I didn't say they. Did I say they didn't? I'm not saying that, but I am not seeing the same acknowledgement from the left that I do see on the right.
0: I would argue.
1: There you go. That's that's where I was getting at. There's
0: probably more, especially with the woke generation now. Oh God, which I'm not. You know me enough to know that's yeah. not really my lane. Yeah, um, they're quick to throw anybody under the bus who doesn't pass. It's the same problem the Tea Party had yep. a decade ago yep. with yep. their purity tests. Yep. Um, so the Democrats I, I, were were. I'm getting off the rails. There's Democrats and there's liberals. Yeah. Um, party versus ideology. Well, so people I'm, listening, try please that, try to understand. I try to make that, that distin-
1: to. distinction between conservatives and Republicans. Yeah. So, uh, so I I, 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 yeah, I agree with you there.
0: So uh, let's let's circle back again. Okay. So, because again, I, this interests me. Mm-hmm. Um, you you hit on immigration. Mm-hmm. You hit on abortion. What are some other issues you as a conservative buck with? GOP party dogma
1: well i think the another one i assume
0: gay marriage you you don't
1: seem like an anti-gay type no 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 i i I got a lot of gay friends you know um i know everyone says that but y'all can take it to the bank i guess i don't know uh no i i completely support like like i said i don't have a problem like if you want to suck dick that's fine it's america do what you do what you want to there's nothing wrong with liking a little penis every now and then but you know it, it i have no problem with that but what i do take issue in that spectrum and then i'll get to my last uh break with the republican parties but what i get another thing that really irks me about the left is like the whole bake your cake kind of thing you know the whole thing it's mm-hmm. like the baker won't bake on the cake because it like he's like it violates my religious shit. And then they're all like, well, you need to do it because we are, you know, if someone doesn't want to bake you a cake because of their religious beliefs, don't fucking just like take it to the Supreme Court or some shit. Just go to a different baker. Like, why are you going to make a big deal about that? I mean, it's not like he came out and said, I hate gay people, so I'm not making your cake. Well, I mean, he effectively did. He said, I have a religious belief and I'm not comfortable doing that. And that in, in America, freedom of religion is one of our most founding principles. So, I mean, if I find someone, but I if I go to a gay baker and they're like, I'm not going to make a cake for your wedding because um, I don't believe, I think, you know, I'm not going to do it for a straight couple because this is a gay bakery. I'm not going to be like, oh my God, let's go to the Supreme Court. I'm going to be like, all right, I'm going to a different baker. It's not going to like, make... I'm not gonna get like fucking pissed off about it. Like I'll just be like, fine, I'll take my business somewhere well, but else. but it's established case
0: law that discrimination is illegal. Correct, but it also that the bakery. Um, I don't like case. the religious. I, I because all that does is open up a big, giant, gaping loophole, right, for people to do all sorts of racist, homophobic, bigoted discriminatory action
1: and cloak it under religion yeah no i can i can see that but also too these aren't new ideas man like it's been two thousand years since these ideas have come to surface so you can't really say that it's just because of this like that it's been recently that these ideas have been like brought out like these have been the, the like if you look at it like the whole homosexuality thing and it's it comes from just one verse and Second Corinthians, but Second Corinthians is an old bucking book, man. Like it's predates Christ. So I mean like these these ideas aren't foreign. And it's interesting that, yeah, they're being brought to the surface now as uh people progress and there are expansion of rights and um you know, I I don't think that and that's and this actually leads into my final point with why I break ranks with the Republican Party is they really sometimes throw the separation of church and state to the sideline. I mean, the whole idea of abortion is that all it is is a religious fucking argument. I mean, there's no reason that no one should have a right to not have, like, access to any kind of sort of abortion services. The reason that Alabama does this because they're so fucking backwater and they let the church permeate into the policy. This is a church policy. This isn't, a, this isn't something that I think the entirety of the Republican Party stands for, but it's just a perfect example of how they can turn a blind eye to something pretty quickly. And I, I'm, not, I'm, not, I'm not kosher with that. So that, that would be uh, another one of the dislikes I have about the Republican Party is they let, they let religious ideology sometimes guide them in places where it needs to be left at the door. Which is what the whole point. So,
0: so you being a conservative, mm-hmm. what we talked earlier about a more perfect union, right? What does that look like to you, a conservative? What changes from today to get our
1: country where you feel like it should be? Well, <clears throat> excuse me. Um, I would say that I, I really, honestly don't have a problem with the direction we're going right now um i'm a big uh supporter of law enforcement and military i'm a big enforcement of a big supporter of enforcement of borders i like how we're not getting our dick in all this european shit anymore and like we're trying to i mean the one thing i think i do like about trump is that he's not a politician you know like he's just a businessman. Like everyone a loved. Everyone very loved, garbage business. Yeah, man. but I mean, it, but hey, you know what? What happens is everyone's just like, oh, you know, stop bullying. And then here comes Trump, who's an actual bully, and no one knows how to handle it. But that's what I kind of like that because you know, yeah, he well, that kind of goes back to our that yeah. kind of goes back to your trollish, yeah, <laughs> inkling, yeah. And uh, and that's yeah. So um, you know, one do, one thing I do like is he does know how to manage money pretty well he's not he's not the greatest politician yeah i know you can get into the argument about like atlanta and all that or atlanta atlantic city and all that shit but and his university and his airline yeah and his airline like sure but he's a venture capitalist man he's just putting his money out i think he's a money launderer i i mean you look at a lot
0: of his foreign ties and how after he really went bankrupt he kind of dug himself out it was going through places like azerbaijan and kyrgyzstan and Russia and Belarus and a lot of those former Soviet states, they're magically loaning money. They're pouring money into real estate deals. I don't know I don't know how much of it is Trump smart like a fox or Trump dumb enough to let it happen, but banks wouldn't loan him money.
1: I know, and I so remember. he was getting money through these shady foreign deals.: right. He took advantage of the Soviet satellite states and was able to get- launder their money for them. But, I mean, the, what, what you're saying, like, launder their money for, for who? For their governments? Like, what? A bunch of... Uh, like, Russian mafia? Like, nah, well, you, probably some Russian... Um,
0: the word is slipping my mind. The uh, It's not a baron. What's the word oh, I'm looking oh, for?
1: Oh, oh, um. oh. I know exactly. What Everybody listening is yelling it into our ears. Oh shit! What is it? It's uh. You're right. It's not a baron. It's a. Uh, it's not a mogul. Uh, uh, I mean, you could call them billionaires, but I know there's a but word. But yeah. Anyway, anyway,
0: those figures who made a lot of money off the crash Soviet Union, a lot of them had their money tied up because of sanctions and embargoes, and had to clean it had to or they embezzled it from their companies and they had to wash it so they would pump money into trump's real estate deals and get it on the back end to clean their money to avoid taxes or to avoid embargoes to avoid
1: so they could you're basically saying they did it so they could do business
0: yeah, but when you have laws that say you're not allowed to conduct certain business, those laws are usually there for a pretty good reason.
1: I just, I mean, I, I agree with you. I'm not say, I'm like, I'm not so supporting I, I, what Trump, like everything Trump does. But I'm beyond not saying, that, a as, a country,
0: as a country, as a country, I'm no, saying I, he's a shitty person. I'll go on uh, record. He's a garbage human being. He
1: is, I mean, for sure. He I is mean,
0: a raging narcissist. Yeah. He is a sexist.
1: Yeah. I, he's
0: just, he's not ashamed of it. Like, he has no shame as a human, which I think is not a admirable quality well i i can disagree but i can see where that comes in but i feel like if you when you're our head of state you need to have some shame and self-awareness
1: well but otherwise
0: you're embarrassing us and you're reducing our foreign policy leverage abroad
1: i mean i can see dude look i agree with you 110 percent i think it would just be best if trump just got his twitter taken away but um you know, at the same time, it's still. But well, beyond that, fiscally, the
0: country yeah. is not as in good of shape. Well, I mean, I, our know. our debts are growing, our deficits are growing. The def- They're growing from what they were under Obama. They were being reduced year by year under Obama. Trump came in, he started ramping up military spending, he passed an absolutely asinine tax cut. You don't pass tax cuts during periods of economic boom. That's poor fiscal policy. You do what Clinton did. You do what Obama was trying to do. You start paying down debts. You start reducing your deficit because you've got the tax revenue of a economic boom time to reduce those expenditures and outlays. That's just that's common sense fiscal policy. You don't start passing tax cuts when our economy is doing great, driving up the debt more and the deficits. I, I just disagree with you wholeheartedly on the notion that Trump is good with money and good economically, both for us as a country and definitely him as a personal businessman. I mean, that's fine. Um, he could have taken the money he got from his daddy, and he would have had as much if
1: not more money just parking at in an index fund. I mean, I'm not here to talk about that whole like situation, but when it comes to Trump and from what I've read on statistics, like... The deficit has grown, yes, but also too. So has the stock market points, and so has. Uh, but the those were trends. Are lowering. But like, those
0: were trends well underway. They've been underway since two thousand nine. I mean, if
1: you want to argue that, we could say they were well underway since two thousand four, or whenever fucking Bush started the ten year policy that was, you know. That negates the whole well, right economic now, collapse of two thousand eight.
0: Right. Well, our economy collapsed. It bottomed out probably mid to late 2009, and that's when our recovery started. Right, you're right. The stock market started
1: ticking up. We started gaining jobs. Right. Things started improving. I have to say, though, graduating in 2012, it wasn't uh, right, the biggest market. Better <laughs> than graduating
0: in 2008, though. Yeah, that's true. But, so, so Trump's benefited from... I, I hate... It's, I get myself into trouble. I hate putting economic performance solely on a president because the economy's way bigger than that. Um, that's fair. It's the it's one of those where they take credit when it's up and when it's down they're pointing fingers. Right.
1: Um oh, it's, it's that's politics. <laughs> right.
0: But so so I'm not going to give Obama full credit for the economy recovering, but I'm definitely not going to let Trump take Credit for trends that have, had been underway for six, seven years before he took office.
1: Right, but you can also argue the fact that you're right, you're right, you're correct, you're absolutely correct. But you can also not negate the fact that he has been able to, over the past two and a half years... Not keep drive those... it off a cliff? Yeah.
0: And even then, his trade policy and his trade wars and his bullshit with China has...
1: yeah, The growth stupid. has become more erratic, no. has you're become right. more... I'm not, a, I'm not a fan of his uh, his little trade war dis- disputes like I said I'm not a big fan of really meddling with other countries you know just I feel like there's enough problems here that we need to worry about
0: but but pulling us back in what what does what does Andy's conservative utopia
1: look like I mean honestly it's just a a i mean a, a country that has a good strong government that allows the individual states to do their own thing without uh, with also offering oversights using, you know, things like the checks and balance. Strong border, a strong national identity, a powerful military uh, able to protect our freedom because freedom doesn't exist normally in the world. It's,
0: well, it exists in all sorts of countries that don't have strong militaries.
1: Right. But at the same time, none of them have really been the spotlight of it. None of them have been a hegemon or had to do with dual hegemony like in the 80s. So, sure. But I'm just saying, so that's what I would be, you know, um, international, like talk, you know, globalism is okay in doses, I think. But I think that we need to uh, get, the, get our shit together here, you know, still engage on the world stage, but more focus on the people who are like pooping in LA and San Francisco on the street, you know, because of the homeless population. Like we, we need to do some stuff, our infrastructure, our roads, you know, we, need to get this, we need to get our shit together, and then you know, once we're on par, I think then we don't need to be the police force of the world. We've been doing that for too long, and I don't think that's the case. I think we should mind our own business, uh, engage in the free market in the world, and get our shit together here, and then once we get our shit together, you know, fix our infrastructure, address the homeless problems, um, try to stop being so tribalistic in our political views, you know, have, have debates like we're having right now. You know, where we can cordially disagree and be able to be fine with that. So honestly, you know, that that would be what I would want in the in a country or like for my kids to have. Um, so, and, and it's by no way a utopia you can say that, but it, there's no such thing as a utopia. So, I mean, there will always be problems, of course, that'll have to be addressed. But I just, I feel like there should be a place where we can have cordial debate, talk about what we've like talked about now. And more of a open forum and try our hardest to not be biased because at the end of the day, bias is bigotry. And, I mean, the whole notion of disagreeing with someone because you don't believe in what they believe in is literally the, <laughs> the definition of a bigot. Well, no,
0: disagreeing with somebody for what they believe getting is a bigotry.
1: Getting mad and hating someone for not having the same views as you is what a bigot is.
0: I think... Thinking you're less than as a person.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Right. Is no. But that's bigotry. Yeah. Disagreeing isn't bigotry. Oh no, no 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 no. But yeah, you're right. Making someone yeah belittling someone because of their points of view. So I mean, and then like I said, it's never going to be perfect. And um, hell, if, and this is another thing that I've heard very disconcerting about the left is I mean, if there was a candidate that came along that struck me it, it, and he was a democrat i would have no problem voting for him like it's not like i'm going to vote republican every time but i have not seen anything from the left in this last turn of 22 or 23 candidates however many are out there right now that i really just like resonates with me they all are just talking about
0: Making the country better?
1: Yeah, and are just beat, <laughs> or just beat Trump. You know, it's kind of like... Well, Do you realize the irony in that, though? Well, yeah, it's it's the same thing that the fucking 15 Republican candidates did back in 2015
0: but, uh, and 16. What are, here's a problem I have with, with the Republican Party, and Trump in particular, but he's just a symptom of their problem, <laughs> is what policies have the GOP pushed in the past, let's call it 15 years or 20 years that's been honestly designed to solve a problem that makes most American lives better beyond tax cuts. And I'm gonna throw tax cuts out the window because I don't think they really help make American, most American lives better. So other than tax cuts, what policies have the GOP pushed in the past 20 years that have actually
1: made yours that if they had passed or have passed have made yours and my life better. I mean, I'm I am can not tell you like a specific policy and that, and you got me off guard on that one. But I could throw that straight back at you about any. Oh, kind I've of, got an answer if you. I've got plenty of answers on my right, end if you but want. To. I mean, I don't want to say my. I don't end have as it if, right here in front of me. So I, I mean, I just think that it's a unfortunate. Um that even when Trump does do something, right? Like when he has the young black Americans at the White House, no one ever says anything about it, or when he signs uh, executive orders that are trying to help out the single mother family that was destroyed in the 90s by the Clinton administration. So, I mean, there, I don't have any specific like, I can't like give you like a acronym. Any policies Pol- that are make our lives better. Right, if you wanna answer that question, then no. Not right now, I don't. But I can look into But it.
0: You, you talk about the Democratic, the, the clown look, car of I, Democratic I, candidates, I, yeah. and I can rattle off right. a half dozen policies they're proposing that would directly make years of my life better. How? Do you have student loans?
1: Yeah, but I don't want to have it... Re- That's don't not what that. I I yes, didn't yes, ask you yes, want yeah, them. Yeah. If they went
0: away, would your life be better? Not particularly. No. You wouldn't have more money to buy a house or to buy a new car or to buy new things or to invest in your own business? Right. I, sure. Of
1: course. So it would make your life better. I mean, not, no, no, but no, no. You give me give me, an, give me a chance here to answer because if these are the policies that you're talking about making yourself better, that's fucking bullshit. That's a cop out. I would not want. Yeah. I'm, I'm sh-
0: not asking what you I, want or what you believe in or what your morals support. I'm asking strictly pragmatically policies that make your life better. How are you going to pay for that? That's, again, we can get into
1: that separately. I'm just saying, like, well, okay, at, yeah, I want a utopia. I want a socialist utopia, I, but that's not going to work. But that's my point. What's your point? That, that something- I asked about policies that will
0: improve our lives. All right. You can't give me any for the Republican side. No, not off the top of my head, because I don't follow it in that respect. I can list some more policies from the Democratic, which you may or may not agree with, but you won't disagree that they will make your life better.
1: No, I don't. I actually think, it's, that's not, I think that's irresponsible, and I think that it Black? will actually give a bad example for people who are trying to grow up. If you'd let me talk, I'll tell you why. Because the fact of the matter is, sure, it sounds great to get all your student debt loans you know, forgiven, but at the same time, anytime I, go, anytime I take out a loan, I know what I'm doing. I'm asking some entity to spot me so that I can pay for what I want to do and get my, my degrees or whatever, and then I have to pay that back. That's responsibility. Having someone just come in and be like, oh, you know what, you can ask us for 50 or $60,000. And then four years later, they're just like, you know what, we're just gonna alleviate that. No, that's irresponsible. I decided to get the loans. And so it's my responsibility to pay those loans back. That, that, so by alleviating a, a debt like that from someone is completely irresponsible. And I don't think that's, I think that's detrimental to someone and it does not make their life better because then they start relying begin to rely on handouts like that to just alleviate a problem when they need to know how to get their shit together and pay back and live up to the loan but that But that's got. a moral argument, not a pragmatic argument. But it's still at the same time, you ask, the, the, I don't think that makes your life better. You 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 take away a couple of thousand dollars worth of debt, I mean, you're still going to have... 20, 30, yeah, tens, twenties, thirties, tens of thousands of dollars. I, I, I get that, sure. It sounds and nice, it helps, but it's not responsible for a country that's, you know, I think it made of is. capitalism where capitalism See, is the driving force. But here's the thing, I think it's... That's cheating. It's not cheating. Eating. Yes, it is. You're relying on the government. they say don't feed the animals at the zoo because they will become reliant on you for their food and will not be able to know how to hunt in the wild. Like it's, that is reliance, and that reliance is not something I'm a fan of. and I don't think I think that's actually quite detrimental. To be teaching something like that to young students
0: but you look at most other countries and they seem to feel like it's fine and they thrive off of it they
1: their citizens
0: aren't not growing up because they're not saddled with college debt but they they're don't even to, start with college debt at that point they're getting to grow up
1: they're probably a f- lot
0: faster they're not stunted they can participate in home ownership they can buy a new car they can travel and see the world i've, do, I've met dozens of Europeans and Canadians who get to travel because they're not saddled with student loan debt. So they get to expand their horizons. They get to learn other cultures. They get to experience the world. Right. Because they're not sitting under the crushing weight of $60,000 in student loan debt.
1: Right. But to see,
0: here's the thing that beyond that economically, macroeconomically, you get to purchase a house, you get to purchase a car, you get to purchase a new TV. You get to travel. That money now goes into the home builders, the car salesman, the car builder, the travel agent, all of the airline. That money now circulates through the economy. It has a multiplier effect because now the money you gave the home builder, now that home builder has an extra couple dollars. They get to go and buy
1: a car. But you forget the initial start, the kickstart to that would be to pay off the debt. That's yep. over trillions of dollars. So, where, where is that? So, if you do that, then you're going to cause an economic vacuum when it comes to like what you're just going to just going to raise trillions of dollars that is supposed to be owed back to someone who lent the so money here's in, the the re- thing. in the beginning.
0: I, if you want to get into the nitty gritty of it, I'm I mean, I'm two just saying mi- I, pragmatically I'm of two minds of it. Federal student loan debt. Yeah. Fuck it. Wipe it out. Doesn't matter. Cause okay. it's held by all of us. Yeah. I, I, I get that. Private loans. I feel like is a whole other animal. I'm Morally, am I all right with telling a big bank, "Hey, fuck you, that money's gone"? Yes. Well, yeah, anyone but I would don't, be. But constitutionally, but that's, just not, pra- that's constitutionally, not practical. Constitutionally, pra- but pra- pra- the con- converse of it is the federal government coming into said private bank and saying, "Here's the money for the loan." Now, I don't constitutionally, <laughs> I, don't, I don't like constitutionally the government coming in and telling pay a the business. interest
1: too. What if it's a ten-year loan? Like so. Well, that's so.
0: That's the thing. I think to make it work, you have to do two things, and and I'm talking. Talking strictly pragmatics, not right. your moral arguments, right, right. which I just fundamentally disagree with. But pragmatically, the only way you could make something like this work is one, like I said, federal student loans, throw them in the garbage; they don't matter. I could, I, I would not have a problem with that. Private, private loans. Yes. You really, you have two. There's two solutions to it. One is, and I don't agree with it, is saying, hey those loans are null and void. I don't like that constitutionally, I don't like that morally. What you can do is come in and say, hey, what's your balance sheet for these student loans? It's $500 billion, here's a check for $500 billion. Now the bank, I believe, constitutionally, has the right to go, I'm not taking your money, However, the flip side of that would be to then legalize bankruptcy for student loan debt.
1: Right. And then also, too, you're, you, there's there's a logistics uh, issue with that as well. I mean, in order for something like this to be facilitated, new uh, bureaus are going to have to be created, new uh, offices are going to have Maybe a new be... office under Department of Education. Yeah. yeah, but I mean, I don't think, I feel like it wouldn't be that simple, you know, and it, and, you know- you're going to have to staff that. You're going to have to have people who know what they're talking about. The Department about. of
0: Education, the, the, like I said, the federal loans, that's not but sending a, a team full of guys in over a couple months, go through all of your federal student well, no, loan I'm not, books I'm not, I'm not arguing the federal out. loan one. I'm talking about the, the private, private loans, loans. The private loans are a whole other issue. I'm, I, I think the, the best solution for private loans is to legalize federal student loan bankruptcy. But, <sighs> Let the people declare bankruptcy and... Deal with the fallout. Now, do we want to offer those? But that's banks the same.
1: Of, that's the same thing as paying off, go, just paying off a loan. If
0: I go to a casino and rank a, rack up twenty grand in casino debt, I can declare bankruptcy on that. If I open a business with a garbage business model and it tanks, and I rank up a hundred thousand dollars in debt because my vegan cat food business crashes, I can declare vegan cat food business. I can declare bankruptcy on that. Right, bankruptcy is is built on the ability to get
1: out from under your mistakes but it wasn't a mistake to take a loan out to get a college degree
0: it is well it is if i thought you know what like i'm i have a political science degree andy yeah i work in parking garages
1: okay you know what but see that's another thing that i'm saying right now right a quality like quality of opportunity Asking a student
0: at 18 to figure out their whole entire life and career is already a risky proposition. I think we have to be able to acknowledge that, hey, you know what, this might fail. If it does, we're going to throw you a lifeline. I think it's reckless and unrealistic to expect an 18-year-old, all of them, to go into college knowing
1: exactly what they want to do. But that's what the first few years of college is about. It's just the fact of being exposed to higher education and higher thought. And to do that, it takes capital. If you don't have that capital, you borrow it. And pay it back in good faith. Okay, but
0: most other countries you don't have to borrow. Or if you do, you're borrowing such a small amount comparatively to ours. Well,
1: that, that's fine. Again, I think a lot of that has to do with um, just the general size of the college population, the population going to college in those countries compared to ours. Whereas, you know, yeah, I get it. Like, I think that education should be free for everyone. Now, upper-level education, people have to get paid. The professors have to get paid. The janitor staff has to get paid. And they get paid because they're private institutions or state-funded institutions by the tuition that kids say they're going to give to them. And as gritty and nasty as capitalism is, it works. And people who are bankers saw this and were like, well, we'll just loan people money and then charge them interest. And why did they do that? Because they're fucking greedy. That's Uh how they made a dime. That's what I'm saying. It said that capitalism is not good. It's not great, but it works. And these guys saw a niche that they could lend money out and charge you out the ass for uh, interest. And I mean. But
0: so that is OK with you morally. But getting people out of student loan debt so they can become better functioning members of our society is is not.
1: Acceptable to you morally? I think that it's moral for the person or party that is engaging in taking out a debt or a loan that they can be able to repay it or they shouldn't get the loan out. You should save up enough money, then go to college. Like, instead of like, if you don't think you can pay your student loan back, what's the fucking point of even telling them that you're going to pay them back? Like, what's the fucking point of a bank? to give out a loan so if do you they think, think, we think we that is
0: going to be a risk.
1: Not necessarily because when it's it comes to like the same behavior yeah, but, for I a mean, you're talking loan. about an LLC compared to like a college decision that someone made. Well, or a credit card or gambling debt or oh, see, medical I don't, debt. No, I, don't or think, I don't think I don't think credit card debt or uh, gambling debt should ever be able to be uh, like that you did that to yourself. Now, medical debt, we can get into a whole slew of like another, another democratic policy that would directly benefit you and I. No, I don't think so. I like my, I like my, uh, my insurance. So, And I like sometimes, because I'm contracting a lot, I like not having insurance and not having to pay for it. So I'm not going to stand for someone telling me that I have to pay if I don't want
0: to. You, you have to pay your taxes. and If you get sick, you go to the hospital and you don't leave
1: with crippling medical debt right but how is that immoral it's not immoral it's just a straight fact that if i don't want insurance i shouldn't be forced to have it well in, and in most- order for in order for this to work everyone has to pay in so i mean yeah you have to pay your taxes you have to do that now but i don't pay taxes for anything like if i don't have a medical um insurance which like right now i don't i'm in between contracts but if you have to call the police They'll show up because
0: you've been paying. And if you don't have to call the police, you're still paying taxes for it.
1: Right, it's but, not a use it or lose it type. But do you, but also too, m- people can go through the entire their entire life without having any kind of like serious crippling medical. Now I'm not saying that's Yeah, but and, we also pay for public schools and might not have kids. Yeah, but look at the public school system sucks, Dick, dude. I work in the public school system. And if you want it if you want healthcare to go exactly how the com- like common core and public school system goes, then yeah, let's let's do it because in all the other countries, you're not going to get in there and get quality care. You're going to get what everyone that's else. That's not is. true. I I I feel that life expectancy is higher in all those countries. I, I, I just feel like I've heard stories of people in like Canada, like you said, that have been waiting on a wait list. No, for, you haven't for years. No, you haven't. I, oh, I haven't. Okay. You haven't. Okay. It doesn't
0: it doesn't exist. You're not waiting on on a list for years. You might have an elective procedure. You're waiting for a couple extra months than we wait, but we wait for those procedures here too.
1: Right, but if you're paying someone to do it, the quality of how much you want is how much you can...
0: There's, but that's not borne out by any evidence that the quality of medical care in these other countries is worse than
1: ours. But it's not also borne out that ours isn't better than theirs, too, then?
0: Well, yeah, it is. Okay. We have better cancer care, and that's largely because the government funds, funds cancer, cancer research. Yeah, yeah. But, I mean, we but can... Canadians, their life expectancy is higher than ours even when you control for shit like homicide and suicide.
1: I mean, we can get into...
0: Their wait times aren't statistically
1: higher than ours. Again, Chris, I'm going to have to... I'll I'll look into it. I'll tell you that. I've looked into it. I'm not bullshitting you. You know I I wouldn't. Because Jesus Christ, Chris, I'm just (laughs) saying, okay, you got me thinking about it, so I'm going to fucking look into it. God, can I agree with you Good.
0: Fuck you. Look into it and realize (laughs) how fucking right I am. Well, fuck you. I don't know. Not only that, but in our system, because of the cost, you have people waiting to get procedures because they can't afford them, which only compounds their medical issues. So now a, pro- a checkup or a procedure or medication that would have cost $1,000, i am speaking in random yeah, hypothetical, yeah, yeah, yeah. but $1,000 in medical treatment is now $130,000 ER visit and surgery because they couldn't treat the underlying symptoms because they couldn't afford it. So not only is it...
1: I could see where you I, I see where you're coming with that. But it's also not cost
0: effective. And we also because of our system we have a massive army of billing specialists because every insurance company has their own billing codes. Right. So you've got a lot more bureaucracy and middlemen in our system versus a single payer system.
1: I just, I would, uh, I mean, again, I, we can get into a big debate about this. And, and on top
0: of that, you're throwing profit margins on for the insurance Right,
1: company. but I would, I would just like to see some of the numbers of it, how, uh, like, c- compared to what we're doing now, like, how I would like to see an actual physical model of it put on, like, generalized to, like, the American population. Not an example from another country. Well, you can. You can look at Medicare. What? Medicare is
0: single-payer health care. Right, but that's... And it also has higher rates of satisfaction... I'm a Medicare recipient than private insurance does. Right, but I don't have Medicare. I pay for it. Yeah. I don't, like, I don't like that. Well, I don't like that I pay to bomb kids in Yemen, but here we are. Well, you got me there. Look, but you're not going to agree with everything your government spends its money on ever, in any country.
1: Right, I, and I, I'm totally on board with you on that one. Yeah. Anywhere in the world. So
0: but I feel like if I'm going to be paying money in, I feel like we as citizens deserve to see more for
1: what we pay. I, I, like I said, I feel like this comes down to an issue of quality, population size, and people's willingness to pay into it. Pay into it. That's, that's where I'm saying the issues don't like. I don't care. Yeah, yeah, sure. Medicare for ourselves is great. It does. My main concern and worry is the effect it will have on, one, people who don't agree with it, and two, if it doesn't work, where's, like, we'd go ahead and... What effect would it have on people who don't agree with it? You get sick, you go to the hospital. You're paying more money. You're paying more you're taxes. probably... I mean,
0: there's going to be some people that pay more money. Ma- the vast majority will end up paying less. How is that? Because you're only going to have to actuarially to make it work. I'm, again, speaking in relatively round numbers, but let's call it... Five percent tax, and that's probably on the very high end of what it would be—a five percent tax on everybody. That's That's very high. (laughs) It's still—I don't know about you—it's still less than I'm paying a month for private insurance, and that's with a—I don't remember what my deductible or my copay is or my out of pocket. I want to say it's three or six thousand dollars. So it's five. So five percent still less than I'm paying per paycheck now. Right. And if I get sick enough to go to the hospital, I'm looking at three to six grand out of pocket, not counting medication, not counting if I, God forbid, get sent to an ER that's out of network and now I'm eating 20 or 30 or $40,000. My dad had really good insurance. He had heart surgery. He left the hospital with, I want to say it was 30 or $40,000 in debt. My mom had money and savings. Our healthcare system wiped out her, she had insurance, wiped out her savings. So even people who plan and, and who Play by the rules are still being fucked thoroughly by our healthcare system, and those are people with pretty good healthcare. That's not even the people who've got those bare bones plans where you're looking at ten thousand out of pocket to start. So our system's immoral. It's inefficient. It's way more expensive than anybody else pays around the world per capita.
1: Per capita. But I'm just saying again. I'm. I'm I look. I don't disagree with you on this. Okay. Like, That's all I wanted to hear. And You're right, it, Chris. And Just give geez, me that R fuck word. Fuck you, dude. You could see his face right now. <laughs> it's very smug. It is very smug. You're right, Chris. Thank you. you welcome.
0: Well, we're at an hour and a half, <laughs> and I've, it only took you an hour and a half to tell me I was right. I think we're almost about ready to wrap this up. Before oh. we do, though, because I, I really don't... We could do this all day, and maybe we'll circle back, and we'll have a... Chris, yeah, would love to, man. Chris and Andy part two. But is there... I guess I'll end you in with this question. Mm-hmm. Where do you see, do you see Trump winning in 2020?
1: I do. And it's not something I say it with glee, you know, it's kind of like, I just know from just looking at the numbers and I, I again, I'm saying it's the Democrats are shooting themselves in the feet because I would really like to see a really good, like 30, Seven thirty-eight-year-old Bernie Sanders type, you know, going up there and doing shit. But really and truly, all Trump has to do to win twenty twenty is run on two things, and it's it's perfectly galvanized his base. Uh, two things: America will never be a socialist country. Yay! It already is, though. And uh, we support Israel. Uh, you know, so it's like those two things alone, right there. I think could hand him the election including the fact that I haven't seen anything from the, the Democratic side that would I don't know I mean there's still more debates to come I just I haven't seen anything that like gives me like
0: let me let me rabata, that kind of you know that kind of leads me into my last question and, and we're going to get out of here all right. Trump loses okay of all the third, 314 candidates out there right now Trump loses. What Democrat would you least be upset to see beat him?
1: Oh God, Chris. Um, um. you said thirty-seven-year-old Bernie. Yeah, so I feel yeah. like you're 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 leaning that way. Yeah, I mean, but no, no I mean, it's I, I Bernie is a little too extreme for me, you know, um, especially if you hear his rhetoric from the eighties. I say, I say, um, God, it's between two people right now and I just, I don't like either one of them. So, Who, would, who are the two? <clears throat> excuse me. Uh, it's between either, what, what, is, uh, what does Trump call him, Sleepy Joe, Sleepy Joe Biden, or, um, uh, God, I can't believe I'm saying this, or Kamala Harris. Really? Yeah. Interesting. I know, right? But that's it. Like, I can't weed any, like, I'm not- The two
0: least likely to really get
1: anything done are your answers. Is that why it's your answer? I just, I, just I, I don't know. I Those are just the two. I'm just thinking from, because, I mean, Biden does have experience in the White House, so. And I didn't think that the Obama administration was bad. You know, I didn't agree with everything, but I don't agree with everything Trump's doing either. And then, um, I don't know, I think Carmela has a little bit of like spunk to her where she might get a little little bump in the polls just because she's got a pretty good charisma. She is redundant sometimes, but aren't we all? Um, But I don't know, I guess those would be the two. I know it's not going to... I would never even think Elizabeth Warren would even be in the...
0: I don't think she'll win, but she's my first choice. Her and Bernie are back and forth in my head. Well, I mean... I don't (laughs) think Warren politically can win, but I think policy-wise she's... The best.
1: Okay. Well, I mean, yeah, she. I think she really kind of pulled the rug out from under herself with the whole Native American thing, but um, and then going on social media and like having a beer. I'm gonna have a beer. But um, I mean, yeah, I I I just I, I don't know. That would be my two guesses out of out of the Democratic primary. I'm eager to keep watching and see. I know we already have one drop out. Um. So I don't know when are the next debates. September... Okay, Maybe that's the third, I don't know. I don't follow it that close. I I uh, watched the last ones, and they were... um. I didn't even watch the last ones. You didn't miss anything. I don't think so. <laughs> yeah. Well, Andy, uh, I'm going to wrap us up. All
0: right, I cool, appreciate man. you coming out. We actually, we went at it for longer than I thought we would, so good hey, for man, us. I
1: had a good time. I mean, I don't think any differently of you, and I, and I, be, I will be looking. In, in fact, I was going to ask you, can you... Uh, after we're done, we'll talk a little bit more about this, but I want to kind of list out the things we talked about so I can go and actually research
0: them. Yep. All right. If I got you researching, that's, that's good. Maybe I'll bring you back and you can tell me just how right I was. <laughs> Fuck you. It you, you <laughs>
1: reminds me that one time on Facebook, I guess it was like you, me, and Lastin, and like Lastin said something and I agreed with you and you were like, I can't remember what you said, but you're like, Lastin. You have Andrew agreeing with me. Do you have any idea what you've done? <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I at least I think
0: I get you thinking, which is part of my goal. Yeah,
1: no, absolutely. And like I said, I always encourage this kind of uh, discourse. So um, I, I enjoyed this thoroughly, man. It's nice to actually see you in person rather than typing back and forth. Yeah, on you, can, you can come to Austin for the next podcast. Oh, yeah. Well, I mean, I'll let you know when I'm in there next. Like I said, I, I, don't, I don't know when I'll be down there next. I don't know yeah I don't know but I'll let you know for sure awesome well
0: uh everybody thank you for listening in I hope this was at least somewhat entertaining (laughs) um find me find the it never hurts to ask podcast on instagram it never hurts to ask if you've got an idea for a guest or any questions or feedback email me at it never hurts to ask pod at gmail.com you can find me on twitter where I keep saying this but eventually I'll start posting shit to that garbage forum on uh at podcast chris and if you want to add andy on facebook and watch his trolling firsthand you can search for andy at andrew
1: landrum on facebook is Uh, that right yeah that's right
0: and uh he'll decide whether or not to add you and let you be part of that shit show. i
1: I have kind of toned down a little bit in the last few uh months but yeah you'll you'll get some little entertainment there (laughs) awesome well andy thanks for coming on
0: everybody thanks for listening yeah thank uh, you chris hope it was enjoyable